And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, uh, this week there's been a lot of ACC baseball, the tournament going on. I know that's not really our primary focus on the pod, but I'm curious, have you been able to tune into even a little bit of it? A little bit, Dan. You know, uh, trying to keep track with it here and there. There's so much news going on and and you know we're within a hundred days of college football exciting stuff i mean especially this is, this is gonna be a fun episode yeah so like i said we're not doing acc baseball but we will be doing we will be going inside an inflatable foot bath time machine and looking into the future and seeing we're gonna start with football right you want to start with football and then we'll go to basketball yeah, yeah that works yeah, we'll start with football We'll look into the future there, give kind of five years as a benchmark, and then basketball will do the same. So, yeah, getting out our crystal ball, putting on our Swami hat, Nostradamus, all of it wrapped up into one. Five years, we'll see how it goes. So, I think the first question I want to ask in football, let's start with Florida State. Let's start with um, Mike Norvell. So, as we all know, he joined the program last year and had a mediocre, well, not really a great season, really just had one premier win. And obviously that was kind of a year zero, COVID, whatever. But now he has year two. The expectations are a bit higher. Now, here's the thing, though. Florida State, since their powerhouse in the early 2010s, they've really fallen off. We don't know how much of a short leash Mike Norvell will be on if Florida State does happen to underperform once again. So I'm just going to be straight up with this. Jason, in five years from now, do you think Mike Norvell will be the coach of Florida State football? I actually do, Dan. I think – here's what I'm going to say. Last year was year negative one. So – I put, and I've said that a couple of times on, on past award-winning podcasts. I think, you know, he got hit and Florida state did and specifically him got hit with COVID early, really just disrupted everything. And so I almost throw last year's and pretend, you know, year in, in the garbage, pretend it never happened. So I think this year is kind of his first year and five years from now or five years into his tenure, I think he's he's building something. You know, he he did. They got lucky with the McKenzie Milton uh, transfer, and if he's anything semblance to what he was at UCF, I think that they're gonna have a you know a pretty good year. Maybe pull out a couple surprising wins, and I think slowly but surely they kind of get that Florida State moxie back, that Florida State swagger. Uh, you know, Florida is such a talent rich state that even if you just recruit your state well and and or a couple states around you, you're going to have a, a high quality team. So I think if Norvell can do that, kind of build a wall as much as you can in Florida. Um, obviously, he's competing against some other teams like Miami and, and the Gators. So but I think he does. And, and the it's not as if the ACC has a ton of you know, top 10 teams. So I don't think it would take much to kind of climb that ladder. So I'm going to say yes, Norvell coach in five years. And 
Florida State kind of back on track. Here's the thing that intrigues me about Norvell and Florida State, because we know Florida State has never been on a lack of recruiting. With Willie Taggart, they were still recruiting very well. And Norvell, his first class was a little bit underwhelming. Now he's back to the normal Florida State recruiting class. But Norvell is still recruiting well. He's not known to recruit. He's known as a developmental coach. Taggart was known as a recruiter. So now that Norvell is recruiting well, I think he can make these four- and five-star prospects into much better prospects, or much better products, I should say, on the field than what Taggart was able to do. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, I think his offensive scheme and and whatnot, when it has a chance, has all his own kind of players in there. I think you'll really start to see the the Florida State engine humming along. Ironically, Taggart known as a recruiter, but the one recruit that kind of got away and basically altered at least the immediate face of the ACC was letting Sam Howell go. He got away from Florida State and went to UNC. So kind of ironic there. Maybe you really are psychic and you really are an inflatable foot bath time machine because that's exactly what I was going to bring up next, UNC. <laughs> Mac Brown, I don't assume that he will be coaching in 2026. But here's the question. Could he build UNC up into a point, let's say he has – three years left in him that's just a that's just a tentative right thumb in the wind yeah Mm -hmm. let's say it's three years left in him two years later will unc fall downhill or will mac brown have built unc up to the point where they could be a either national powerhouse or the next tier to a national powerhouse probably next year yeah i I mean, obviously, I'm an ACC fan. I root for all ACC teams. But I don't know. I mean, you know, it's happened before, right? He, they were a top-five team, literally a top-five team, and he left for Texas, and they just went right over the cliff. So, I mean, obviously, it would be highly contingent on who took over and, you know, what they were like, how good at recruiting. I mean, were they someone within the program? Does someone like a Dre Bly kind of rise up the ranks and, you know, uh, take over the reins, Jay Bateman, someone like that? I don't know. Uh, I want to say yes, but to do that, I think he would have to hit these next three years out of the park. And I guess two of those years are going to be Sam Howless. So how do do they recover losing someone like Sam Howell to the draft next year? Well, here's the thing. So for me, I kind of divide, I'll just, I'll just take power conference football here. And I kind of divide it into three categories in terms of teams. So there's the top tier of teams or I guess jobs that you just need a, any kind of decent coach with a decent reputation, then their history has name in itself. You're going to recruit well. You're going to be a national contender, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Alabama, like even Saban leaves Alabama, Dabo leaves Clemson. They won't fall off that much. And then there's the schools like, I don't know, like a Syracuse or 
I don't know, like, uh, like just a school that's nationally known to be bad, right? You're, you're just, you need like a really phenomenal coach just to be decent and win eight to nine games. But I think a vast majority of the programs fall somewhere in the middle where it really just depends on who you hire, what your coach is, right? You have enough history. You have enough of a pitch to make to recruiting so that if you're a really good coach, you can build something up at your school. But you don't have enough so that if you're not a good coach that the recruiting will sustain be, you. Right, it's, yeah, right itself just because you're a brand mm-hmm. name. Like, for example, like a – like a Florida State, like go, going back to that, like Norvell is was not the greatest recruiter at Memphis. He's a developmental guy, but it's a perfect fit because he's already at Florida State, so the recruiting will kind of take care of itself in a way. Yeah, I mean that that's that's definitely an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I do. I mean, I guess it would be a situation of. I, I mean, I will say this. They've poured a lot of money in the facilities. They've had, you know, big upgrades. They've had upgrades at the stadium. They have taken football seriously. You know, for years, football was almost an afterthought, right? It was just a basketball school. Now, I do have a friend that that has this theory that you can either be a good football school or a good basketball school. You can't be both. And... At first, I, I blew that off, but when I sort of thought about it, there's only been a handful of exceptions, and that seems like it's the rule. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is some validity to it. I'm not sure. But it, they at least, like I said, uh, the athletic department and the, the uh, boosters and uh, alum or whatever are taking football seriously and, and making those upgrades. So – Maybe they are starting something. Maybe Mac Brown, you know, he started something years ago, left for Texas, came back, he's going to finish it, and they will kind of get to that maybe next level that they haven't necessarily historically been at. And that, that's completely fair. I, I would think that – I think that's the expected. That's kind of the safe way of answering that question. Yeah. But, you, you know, you mentioned um, – Bama and Clemson. I I have one for you. Five years from now, where is Dabo Swinney? At Clemson? I mean, I know that that's – I know you were trying to, like, influence no, no. me into saying – I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. But I, I just think – I think we can probably say five years. Yeah. Saban's yeah. probably yeah. retired. Probably. I mean, I would think. I guess nothing's a guarantee. But I'm with you. If, I, if I'm Swinney, I stay at Clemson, right? You don't – what are you going to do at Alabama? I know it's your alma mater, but you're not going to be more successful than Saban. At best, you break even. At worst, they run you out of town. Mm-hmm. I feel like also Clemson and Alabama have built up such a rivalry. Like, they're just – because they're always <laughs> on the top of college football fans' mind, the casual college football fan. Oh, who's going to be the contenders this year? Well, it's going to be a Clemson-Alabama national championship. We could already assure you that. So I feel like just because of how many times they've met in the playoffs over the past five to seven years, they've just become a rivalry so that it would almost be like really, really dissing your own school in Dabo's case to leave Clemson and go, if anywhere, to Alabama. 
Like it would almost like, be the second worst thing, and the only worst thing would be going to like South Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> coach K leaves and goes to UNC to coach, finish out his career. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, quite that much, but <laughs> right, obviously. Um, well, I mean, you're definitely right about Clemson and Alabama, at least on Twitter, right? Because they, those, their fans hate each other on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, no, 100%. The Twitter rivalries. But I think that's representative of the schools and the institutions and, like you said, the alumni base. Because, uh, yeah, I think rivalries aren't 100% based off of Twitter, but I feel like Twitter is honestly not that bad of a representation of what fan bases are like. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Social media in general, because I'm sure there's a – a contingent of Facebook that you can say the same thing about. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably worse than it is in, in, in real life. Cause obviously behind on social media, you can kind of hide behind your, your fake name, your fake avatar or whatever. Um, but it is funny to watch the fans go, go at each other. It's really funny. Correct. And I just put out my ACC standings predictions today and they were like, I love, when they're not even like making, like they're not even poking at me. Like they're just fans are just going at it in their mentions, like UNC versus NC State, <laughs> arguing about. Like it started with my tweet, but then I'm just lost. Right. You got to step out of the way so they so they can really do the fighting. <laughs> yeah, I I saw there was um there was a post the other day, and it was about it was about Philip Rivers. And they were talking about it was it was on a NC State um, and a NC State account, and they were talking about soon to be Hall of Famer Philip Rivers, and I was like, well, I don't know, maybe. I mean, obviously he had longevity and played a while and put up some good numbers over time, but he, you know, he obviously never won a Super Bowl and didn't have a good playoff record, but then UNC fans were immediately discrediting him, and it was just. It always devolves into, into, into that. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I think Phil Rivers will be in the Hall of Fame. The bar is so low for NFL players. I, I actually agreed with you. I, I did agree with you. And and then I Googled it, you know, just thinking, like, what, what are other people's opinions? And I guess there's only really one Hall of Famer that has kind of his comparable numbers, and that was Dan Fouts, which is ironic because he played for the Chargers. But almost every article I read said that he would not end up in the Hall of Fame. So I, mm -hmm. I, I was with, I was like you. I thought it was kind of a given. But anyway, just just funny how how fans, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter. Once you once you're an alum of that team, the other the other rivals hate you forever, as it should be. Yeah. All right. You want to move on to basketball? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, basketball is much more fun because we could honestly, we could argue about who's going to be at the top. Whereas in football, we still know Clemson's highly likely to be at the top and we're kind of just arguing about the rest. Right. But in basketball, let's say we'll put, it doesn't necessarily need to be five years. It could be 10 years, but in terms of like a distribution, Mm-hmm. 
who do you think like when all right i'll call five years who do you think wins the next five acc championships regular season tournament anything could happen but like you say like you know two uva two florida state one duke one duke like you think like just a general question then we can get into mm-hmm. the specifics um i i gotta imagine florida state wins one or two how about i throw a virginia tech in there maybe virginia tech you know um mike young and company really uh sort of solidifies and, and the uh the hokies line up and maybe that maybe they pull one out um i'll put duke in there for one of those i mean they have talent every year so probably a virginia i would probably stick with those Maybe UNC. UNC is a big wild card, though, right? With um, Hubert Davis. I mean, how is he going to be in his basically first head coaching job? I mean, first head coaching job is one of the best jobs in the country, right? Uh, so it's going to be kind of a lot of pressure. And, you know, may, maybe a dark horse. How about Louisville? Chris Mack and crew. I'm going to start with your Virginia Tech point because you said they could potentially finish the top of the ACC. And I think that 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 definitely could happen. I think they'll be in sort of the top three to four next year in the ACC. But I was talking to someone on Twitter that said, and I don't think I necessarily agree with this. They were saying that Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech team, had a higher ceiling than Mike Young. And I'm like... I don't hmm. think that's the case given what Mike Young has already done in his first two years. Now, Buzz would – I mean, he brought them to probably their best season, and they were, what, a four seed. They did very well in the regular season. They made it to the Sweet 16. A little bit disappointing if they didn't make it farther, but still, I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't – that might be their only Sweet 16. They might have a couple. I'm not – a Virginia Tech historian, but they definitely right. don't have many. So, I do you think Mike Young could bring them farther? Because I most certainly do. I don't think they're going to be a consistent national contender. Like, every year we're talking about them in national championship talks. I don't think that's their ceiling. But I do think their ceiling is a contender in the ACC on a consistent basis. Almost – almost like what Leonard Hamilton has built Florida State into. I think in terms of caliber of the team, I think Mike Young could bring Virginia Tech to that. Hmm. I think Hamilton's ceiling might be a little high for Mike Young. Uh, But, you know, it's not – Florida State, it's not like they were some blue blood. I know they call themselves the new blood. Um. So, so maybe he could build them into that. I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's kind of, you know, Virginia Tech as a basketball school is kind of like a sexy um, place to, for recruits to go. So maybe, I, I mean, I could see him, you know, every once in a while finishing in the top three of the ACC, maybe making a run of Sweet 16, Elite Eight. I don't think we'll ever talk about them in NCAA championship talks. I think that would be quite the 
quite the uh, upset if they, they made it all the way to the championship game and, and won it all. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there will be a little bit of a, a fluctuation, you know, maybe top three every once in a while and then fall back, middle of the pack. I don't think they will be bottom feeders, but I think they would – I would put him slightly lower than the Hamilton ceiling. Well, all right, two things. First thing is you have to keep in mind that given how Virginia Tech performed this year, this past year, 2020 to 2021, most years with that kind of performance, they'd be middle of the pack ACC. So that's one thing to put in mind. The ACC was just very bad this year. Secondly, it also depends on, let's say Mike Young coaches them and he's very successful. Now, Mm. We already saw Buzz leave because he thought Virginia Tech is not as good of a job as they could have gotten at A&M. So could Mike Young do a similar thing if he builds them to a certain point? That's an interesting question to ponder. Yeah, I I agree with that. I agree. And I kind of agree with Buzz's assessment, although I don't necessarily know if I would put A&M higher than Virginia Tech. Maybe I'm being biased. I don't know. But it's that, that's sort of what I was saying. It's kind of not going to be the, 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 the sexy location, the sexy, you know, team of kind of alluring. You know, it was like when, you know, you like UNC, Kentucky, and those type of teams, Duke, when they come available, everybody in, in, in the country that coaches at any level of basketball wants the job. So it's not going to be like that at Virginia Tech. That's just the reality. So maybe he could, like I said, build them up in in an occasional top three team. But if he could be, or Hokies could be, a a victim of success. And like you said, his success might open up maybe a more alluring job. Yeah, well, definitely. There's no question about it. I mean – he not only what he would have to do is build Virginia Tech in in terms of roster wise, but he have to build the program up to a point where they have a higher reputation. Which yeah. which I think Buzz did do to a certain extent because Mike Young was definitely a great hire at the time. So yeah, I mean it's it's possible. It's just more of an incremental thing, right? Uh, unless unless to me it's someone like Hubert Davis who was a player at the school and then was a assistant coach at the school where they're going to have that kind of family mentality, family feeling. If you don't have that, then, then building up a school that's kind of like the middling level or even sometimes lower because at some, at some point Virginia Tech was even lower than that. It's, going to probably come within a few you're going to have to get lucky you're going to have to have a good coach and they build them up a little bit and that gets another good coach and they build them up a little bit and so on. I, I think to me Leonard Hamilton is the exception and not the rule I think what he's done at Florida State is pretty tough to do and you know hopefully um, for Hamilton and Knowles fans he can finally punch it through maybe maybe within these next five years does Leonard, Leonard Hamilton make it to a final four. What do you think about that? We are such a pro Leonard Hamilton podcast. I can't think of a group of two non Florida state <laughs> fans that root for him 
as much non, as non Florida State podcast people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love Leonard Hamilton. I mean, we, you know, that just by listening to this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, I, I always, I'm always going to admire someone that can kind of do it, do things that he's done where you go into a program that don't, doesn't have the highest expectations and you build a culture. And we've had Florida state guys on, on our pod before and, and they've talked about it. You know, he builds the culture, you know, he, they do things the right way. And you know, that everybody has to check their ego at the door. I'm, I'm all for that. Any coach at any school that, that can pull that kind of thing off. I mean, yeah, we don't, we, I don't want to harp too much on Florida state, but the one thing in terms of like now, because we're looking more into the future, but the one thing I will say is that most like what Leonard Hamilton is able to do is another thing besides the million other unique things, but he has sort of a, a combination of one and dones and veterans, but everybody seems to buy in and want to win a national championship. Whereas it seems like some of the, like a one and done school, like a, I don't know, like a Kansas, a Kentucky, a Duke. Mm-hmm. They're not that they don't want to win a national championship and compete in March Madness, but I mean, their primary goal is to get to the NBA. And I feel like that's kind of held them back those programs back in terms of success but that that's a topic for another day yeah well i'm not letting you skate man in five years within five years has florida state made the final four? Oh, yeah i say their expected number of final fours in the next five years is gonna be around one you put the over on hopefully one. they capitalize on it and go all the way right all right, I got another one for you. This is going to be tough. In five years, who is the coach at Duke? Jeez. I mean, obviously, it's going to be difficult to, to predict exactly. But do you think it's Coach K? I mean, he, he'd have to be right. in his – how old is he now, 70, 72? I'm a, yeah, somewhere in his lower 70s. So, I'm – so, I'm going to – I'm going to first off, I'm going to establish my prediction is Coach K coaches for, I think five years is, pro, is pretty much an appropriate benchmark for it. So let's say after that, mm, I, I really don't know, man. Like, and do you think, look, let me ask you this. I don't, do think, you think, like Mark, like, I don't think Mark Few comes to travel across the country and go to Duke. I think he's pretty fa- happy at uh, Gonzaga. <laughs> They lose in the championship game. He gets the number one recruiting class, number one overall recruit. Timmy comes back. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good where he's at. <laughs> Why come to Duke and then? But you know, I mean, you have expectations when you can. You already kind of have a hammer lock on it at Gonzaga. But do you think that there's even a coach in college basketball that exists that could potentially do the same thing as? coach k that has like a that has like a non-zero percent chance of leaving their school yeah i mean well bill self got a lifetime contract so it seems like he's probably going to be at kansas forever i'd be curious coach cal would stay at kentucky forever 
I do think someone like Hubert Davis, I think, I don't think he'll ever leave for a different job. He'll either have that job or be fired. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think my, I think my cu- most curious question as far as five years, maybe you're right. Maybe coach K is still around in five years, but if he's not, do they go like their heated rivals route and, you know, the UNC picks Hubert Davis. Do they pick somebody within the program? Do they pick a, a John Shire or Wojciechowski or Chris Collins or someone like that? Jeff Capel. I was waiting for you to say Capel. But well, I, 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 was on, I was on record very early saying Capel will be back at Duke. But I think if – if Duke switches over to Cable, I think is a severe downgrade from Coach K. I mean, obviously, Coach K to anybody's going to probably be a downgrade. I mean, there'd be very few people that w- wouldn't be a downgrade, but it just seems like, you know, the, the Pitt program, and, and you wrote about this, is kind of in, in disarray. And it's, he's been there a while now. It should be getting stronger and seem to be regressing. So I don't know. I just would be curious of, who could take over? Because I mean, I don't think someone like Coach Cal or or um, Bill Self, they're not going to leave Kansas and Kentucky to go coach Duke. So it's going to have to be kind of a some an up and comer. I don't. I guess I don't know. Maybe a Brad Stevens type someone that didn't work out in the NBA and then. Ah, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, what Rick Pitino maybe. <laughs> I mean, UNC, we, we were making up all these big-time blockbuster hires, and they ended up going from within. So that doesn't lead me to believe that Duke wouldn't do much different. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess – I mean, Davis was obviously on the team, team for a while, and I think Roy Williams had a lot of input on that. Yeah. I don't know. All right, so we're getting over the 30-minute mark. There's one more thing I want to ask, or really two yeah. more things, but I could kind of kind of phrase it into one question. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame, they – I mean, Mike Bray obviously been there for a very long time, has had some success, has had obviously some down years like in the past. I think this year is really a defining year. They have super talented roster – and it'll really determine, at least as far as Notre Dame athletic department is concerned, whether Mike Bray still got it. So if I'm asking you whether Mike Bray is going to be there in five years, I mean, do you agree with me? That's kind of almost like the same thing as asking how well Notre Dame will play this year. Well, do you think one good year and then they had a, uh, they returned two bad years in a row you think he survives that I don't know I feel like he has to put together three to four good years starting this year to survive I I think he has one tournament like top five to seven seed year and then he has three mediocre years bubble like team that he, he stays Okay. I think he's he's got enough of a legacy where he has himself on a long enough leash, but I think this year is still with the roster if he 
if he has a similar year where they don't even come close to the tournament, then it yeah. might, then it might be advisable to look elsewhere just because it just seems like his better days would be behind him in that case. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm sure the Irish uh, athletic department is, you know, somewhat realistic, right? They're not, they're obviously not a, a gig like UNC Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and their admission standards are strict. So, I mean, that's just a fact. So it's going to be a little more difficult. So kind of being loyal to a guy like Bray who stuck around because I'm sure in the past there were some jobs that came up that were probably, you know, it could have been a little bit alluring or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. But if he kind of falters and, and I do think he has to have a good year this year, I think faltering back to back. And, you know, we heard the kind of the, the discord from the, the fans at the end of the year last year, if that kind of happens again, they probably will move on. And yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, that'll be very sad for Notre Dame because it's just, it's been such a long era. That's basically the identity of their basketball program, but it happens. I mean, for one reason or another, we had the retirement of Roy Williams, which is not completely him just aging out. He, like he said, he didn't feel like he was in the state to coach UNC basketball anymore. You know, at some point in the near future, Coach K will be on. Uh, I mean, like things just happen. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think that I think us choosing that five year mark is, is, a, is a really good uh, kind of litmus test because. It's, you know, I, anybody can make predictions next year, two years, five years. You really got to kind of look down the road and see how are things going to shake out and will guys like Coach K still be around? Will, you know, obviously Mac Brown probably, as, as we mentioned, probably won't be there. But what would the program look like? Will Dow Swinney still be at Clemson and so on? Mm-hmm. Kind of fun. No, this was fun. Uh Appreciate you guys for for listening. I advise you guys to check out, um, you know, anything. Like I said, I had the last link to my article about the pit situation and Jeff Capel in the link to the description of the last podcast. So um, check that out. You know, follow us on Twitter. I'm at ACC Content. Jason is at Pipeline underscore. So you will be getting a good glimpse of our content from there. But until then, once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Pipeline ACC Podcast.